translation. When the great sages saw the Lord as the brahmachari dwarf Vamana, they were certainly very pleased. Thus they placed before them Kashapa Muni, the Prajapati, and performed all the ritualistic ceremonies, such as the birthday ceremony. I'm going to do a few more verses because they're all collected together and one purport seems to serve all the others. So we repeat very loudly. At the sacred thread ceremony of Vamanadev, the sun god personally uttered the Gayatri Mantra. Brihaspati offered the sacred thread and Kashapamuni offered a straw belt. Mother Earth gave him a deer skin and the demigod of the moon who was the king of the forest gave him a Brahma Danda the rod of a brahmachari his mother Aditi gave him cloth for underwear and the deity presiding over the heavenly kingdom offered him an umbrella O king Lord Brahma offered a water pot to the inexhaustible Supreme Personality of Godhead. The seven sages offered him kusha grass and Mother Saraswati gave him a string of Rudraksha beads. When Vamanadev had thus been given the sacred thread, Kuvera, king of the Yakshas, gave him a pot for begging alms and Mother Bhagavati the wife of Lord Shiva and the most chaste mother of the entire universe gave him his first alms that's good isn't it to go through the verses we could just keep going through the Bhagavatam so you know we've, we've done up to uh, 18 will be the next one Okay, sorry about that then Prabhupada comments on the first one according to Vedic civilization when a child is born in the family of a Brahmana the birthday ceremony known as Jata Karma is first performed and then other ceremonies are also gradually performed but when this Vamana Rupa appeared in the form of a Vatu or Brahmachari his sacred thread ceremony was also performed immediately this has always been for me one of the most attractive parts of the Bhagavatam. I like Lord Vamanadev, don't you? He's very cute. Not only is he a child, but he's also a dwarf. I'm just smiling because a dwarf child, I think that is God's sense of humor. God is not dull. He's not, uh, we do not only believe in the Michelangelo God on the Sistine <laughs> Chapel, the old man with the beard. We believe in God as a young boy. And here is God, obviously he's having, he's a sense of humor. And that's why this story is one of the most uh, famous stories. Anybody who's any kind of student of the Vedas whether they call themselves a Hindu or a yoga person or a scholar of Indian religion, they know this story. Why? Because this story is told. The story of Lord Nishingadeva is told no less than 14 times in the different Puranas. 
different histories. Lord, the story of Lord Nishingadev is very, very famous. But even more than that is the story of Lord Vamana. It's told so many times from the very beginning, from the very beginning of the Rig Veda, you'll find uh, Lord Vamana described as the he who takes three steps, he who measures the universe, Trivi Krama, he who measures the universe, the, th the three-stepper, he of giant steps. Uh, and this is uh, very long, long, long time ago. We're talking... If you read the Bible, this is our, this comes in the first chapter. Well, you don't read the Bible, most of you, but if you have read the Bible, this is Genesis chapter one. This is the, this is all to do with the creation of the world. Because all the people that we hear here are Prajapatis and great Rishis. The great Rishis are the sons of Lord Brahma, the creator. And Lord Brahma had a son whose name was Marichi, and his son was Kashapamuni. And then, there was another son of Lord Brahma called Daksha and his daughters, he had many daughters. It's not just an ISKCON phenomenon that the men have mainly daughters, it seems. It's a biological abnormally, anomaly, which has to be sorted out in the next generation. But anyway, in the, usually in a country, if everybody has daughters, you look at what's happening in the water. Okay? Iskon has lots and lots of daughters. We have to start producing sons. I know that most of you live in the ashram, so you won't worry about that too much. But if you take the whole worldwide st Iskon statistics, there's much less boys than there are girls. Go to any Gurukula, go to any... Prabhuji, uh, how many children do you have? Oh, oh okay. Ha, Prabhuji, how many children? Oh, two very nice daughters. Okay. And me, two very nice daughters. I wouldn't swap them for anything. Darling, one of them is here. I wouldn't swap them. <laughs> but... Just on a, just in passing, <laughs> it is something, unless there is a greater plan in store. I hear we see Prajapati Daksha had 13 daughters. He was thinking, what am I, what am I going to do with 13 daughters? What do, what do you do with 13 daughters? Well, of course, he had lots of sons as well. He had two sets of sons. He had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sons. The Hariyashvas and the Savalashvas. The Hariyashvas, Narada Muni came and preached to them, and they became brahmacharis, so no children there. <laughs> and the Savalashvas, they were preached to again, they became brahmacharis, no children there. So Prajapati Daksha cursed Narada Muni, even though he was his uh, brother, so to speak. He was the son of Lord Brahma also. He said, why are you always preaching to my kids? <laughs> Why are you always getting them to... And Prabhupada in the purport, he says, and similarly, the parents of my disciples have also cursed me, that like Narada Muni, I will only be able to spend a very short time in one place. He said, I have to keep traveling. He said, I will never be able to enjoy family life ever again. I am cursed by the parents of my disciples for taking their children away. So, so many daughters... You've got to find a good husband. And each one of them wants a child or children. Because the father of the daughters always wants grandchildren. You know. Of course this is in Indian civilization, Vedic civilization. As soon as you're old enough to reproduce, the granny of the family is, you know, when you're 16, uh, even when you're 14, the granny comes and says, so, you know, one day you're going to be married. Then as soon as you get to 16, there's pressure. 
Okay? So, when are you going to be married? I, I need to see grandchildren. <laughs> you know, well, actually, Grandma, you don't. And if you don't see grand, grandchildren, it, it's going to be okay, but no one speaks like that. Yeah, sometime. Just not coming. Just not coming. Every, because having a child for a woman, they say, is such a pleasurable experience <laughs> that um, you want to have more children. Even though it's painful, actually raising a child is so pleasurable. And Prabhupada comments elsewhere in the Bhagavatam. When the parents hear the child saying, goo goo, ga 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 ga, then the parents become very enamored. What a wonderful sound is emanating from the lotus lips of my child. So they want to do it again. But when you get old, you can't do it again. So you have grandchildren. You see. This is not going to be one of those classes where I'm mocking family life. How could I? I'm sitting here in white. <laughs> So I'm I'm uh, uh, very much a family man, but I'm saying that the uh, uh, the grandparents always want grandchildren. So then Kashyap Muni he's got to give his daughters to someone who's going to provide him with grandchildren. And it just so happens, it just so happens that at the beginning of the universe there was hardly anybody at all. And the whole point here is that the Prajapatis have to create not only the universe, we have to fill up the, the universe, uh, but you have to fill up the universe with different forms of life, different levels of consciousness. Asitim Jatrash Chaiva, Laksham Stanji Vujatishu, Brahmadbi Purushai Prapyam. Forget the next line. Varakanam Manashitya Govinda Charanadvayam. What's the next line after that? So, uh, this universe is filled with different species of life. Amongst them, uh, hundreds of thousands of species of human life. Um, I was sitting there, and Prabhupada was sitting there, and the questioner was sitting there, and she asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, what are the other human forms of life? And Prabhupada said, you want to know Prabhupada's answer? Yeah, you'd like to know Prabhupada's answer? He said, that is not a very intelligent question. <laughs> well, she was probably thinking um, it was, because, you know, you want to know what are the other forms of human life. Well, probably was still writing the Bhagavatam. Anyway, so uh, populating the universe is done with great uh, skill by Prajapati. That's why Daksha and all the rest are known as uh, Daksha also, because they're expert so here is one such, uh, uh, Muni, he had many, of course he had many wives and we can, sometimes we say Lord Brahma is the creator. Now we may be just a little bit biased because Lord Brahma is the head of our Sampradaya. But other people say, um, no, Manu is the father of mankind. And some people say, uh-uh, Muni is the father of mankind because from him and his wives come all the different uh, 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 living beings or rather all the different bodies of the living beings. So Kashyapamuni is very very much the father, uh, the, the great father in the history of the universe and from him and his different wives come different great personalities such as Aruna and uh, you know Garuda and you can trace all the family trees in the world ultimately back to 
Kashapamuni. So that's why when you, you know, sometimes you sit down for, you know, ritualistic ceremonies, you have to give your gotra. So some people, a lot of people say Kashap, what is it? Not Kashap gotra, but they can trace their line, trace their line back. Yes, everybody can trace their line. If you're a Christian, you can trace your line back to Adam and Eve. And in the Bible, there is a long list of who gave birth to who gave birth to who gave birth to who. So if you come to the Vedic literature, you'll see a long line of who gave birth to who, who gave birth to who, who gave birth to who. Would you like to know that line? It's a long line. Maybe I'll save it for a little bit later. Okay. Um, so here, he appears as Lord Vishnu, and then he immediately transforms himself to a child. Now, as soon as you see a child in Vedic civilization, and he's the son of a Brahmin, and he's about five or six years old, you look and you see whether he's got a string on his chest. Has he had upanayanam? Has he had the reformatory process? Prabhupada says that you are born once from your mother and father, and you're born second time from uh, the mother Vedas and the father, the spiritual master. This is your second birth. Therefore, those who take a second birth are called Dvija. Dvija means born again. Many times I meet Christians on the street and they said, have you been born again? And they say, yeah, I've been born again. 1975, September, I was born again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, uh, born again. In my initiation letter, Prabhupada uh, writes, he said, I have accepted Kripamoya Das as my twice-born disciple. So I can still keep that letter. I mean, twice-born. <laughs> so twice-born, what does that mean? It means that you, uh, uh, one, your body is formed on your first birth. Your body is formed. And we read in the Bhagavatam how the body is just an emulsification of secretions. Then it becomes something like a pea. And then it gradually takes shape with the spinal cord and the brain, the rib cage, the different limbs, the eyes, the senses, etc. Until after nine months, in an incredible, it's it's, a, it's an incredible thing, incredible thing. How a, if you've ever been present at a birth, any kind of birth, and you see a fully formed uh, uh, body, a fully formed creature come out, it's uh, it's quite incredible. Quite incredible. You know there must be a God when you see that because how can you, how can one machine, if the body is a machine, how can one machine produce another machine? It's a wonder. It's a miracle. So from the miracle of birth, no matter how wonderful it is, there still must be another reformation. And the, 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 re, the first reformation is to bring all the chemical elements, the material elements to make the body. The second reformation is to bring the soul into alignment with the main element that the soul will need in order to return to the supreme soul. Because in this birth, that is the, that is the aim. So in Vedic civilization, we're reading here about Vedic civilization, uh, we have this concept that different ceremonies or samskars are reformatory ceremonies to bring the child into alignment with the supreme personality of Godhead. And it starts with the Brahma Gayatri Mantra. And the Brahma Gayatri is so called because it is first spoken by Brahma. And when you receive the Brahma Gayatri, you become a Brahmachari. 
That's the point. You receive the Brahma Gayatri, you become a Brahmachari. Now you are allowed to walk in the ways of Brahma. What does that mean? It means you study the Vedas. So that initiation, which in Vedic civilization was the first initiation you would receive, um, uh, allowed you to study the Vedas. Because up until that point, who are you? You're not part of Vedic culture yet. So uh, the Brahmins, the Vaishyas and the, the, the uh, Kshatriyas, excuse me, the Kshatriyas and the Vaishyas would all receive the sacred thread ceremony. They'd each do it in a different way. The mantras would be the same, but the components would be different. They'd get a, you know, the, um, the Kshatriyas would get a, the Brahmins would get a sacred thread made of cotton, and the Kshatriyas would get a sacred thread made of, uh, what is it, uh, hemp, and the Vaishyas would get a sacred thread made of wool, and different, different people had different types of sacred thread. Uh, those were the substitute ones. Um, but um, they would get different belts. So all the things that you hear here, they're not just birthday presents for Vamanadev. They're absolutely essential items in the ceremony which have been prescribed by the great sages. And um, the great sages are, of course, the sons of Brahma. And that has been going on since the dawn of creation up until today that people have kept the same mantras, the same gifts, and the same uh, uh, performances, the same ceremonies. Um, when my so uh, so they saw they immediately saw uh, Vamanadev and they thought, well, obviously he's got to have these gifts. You know how sometimes when you go to India they say, what is your name? And doesn't it, after a while, you know, it's, it's like for me as an Englishman, they, they, they just look at you up and down, they look at you up and down, and they stare. <laughs> what is your name? What is your name? I go, what is your country? <laughs> and by the end of the trip to India, I'm usually going, my name is Frank, I come from Afghanistan. <laughs> Uh, my name is Elvis Presley. I come from Iceland. You're just getting so bored with it. Oh, you say, my name is Krupa Das and I'm coming from England. Um, the next question they ask you, especially in South India, they say, what is your guru? Huh? What is your sampradai? Who are you? And you go, Iskon. <laughs> you always answer as if Iskon was a sampradai. You go, oh, Iskon. <laughs> So, as soon as they looked at Vamanadev, they immediately, you, you, you know that the boy has to have clothing, he has to have a deer skin, he's got to have a sacred thread, because that's what people wear. Just like in our culture, if someone, if one of the brahmacharis comes down from the ashram and he's dressed in a Hawaiian shirt, of which the predominant color is blue, and it has palm trees all over it. Okay? The Brahmachari just wakes up in the morning and he, he comes down to date. You, you look and you'll go, uh, Prabhu, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you'll get away with that. It will stand out. So when a young boy in Vedic culture, who's the son of a Brahmin, has a naked chest without the Upavita, then it stands out. And all the adults there will go, it's immediately... Yeah, he has to be given the 
Brahmin thread. Where is it? Cover his chest. So this is what they, uh, this is what they have to do. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, this ceremony known as Upanayanam involves a lot of gifts. And you'll hear that he was given a deer skin. He was given kopin. He was given rudraksha beads. He was given the sacred thread, but he was also given a grass uh, girdle, a belt. And uh, different people have different types of uh, belt. Um, the um, uh, and, and of course, uh, he was given the um, uh, the sun god personally gave the mantra, uh, the Gayatri mantra. So. Everybody who is in charge of something, they gave that gift. It's like if I go to uh, Prabhuji's ashram, he will give me a painting. I know. Because he's a very generous person. But why does he give me a painting? Because he's surrounded by paintings. I don't expect a crucial grass mat from him. But I will expect a loving gift of a piece of art. You see? Or if I go to the Brahmacharya ashram, they'll give me a, a, a nice saffron dhoti. But I'll say, pore, pore. <laughs> or if I go to Lalita, who's doing the flowers, she'll say, I've got a few flowers here. Would you like them for your puja? Because she's got a lot of flowers. Or if I go to the Tulsi greenhouse, uh, I will most likely, <laughs> I'll most likely get a few Tulsi leaves. Okay? Why? Because if you've got something to give, you give it. So a person who has got mantras, gives mantras. And that's how a person is a guru. Just means if you have mantras, you give them. If you've got Brahmin threads, you give them. If you've got Tulsi leaves, you give them. If you've got Rudraksha beads, you give them. If you've got deer skin, you give it. If you've got Kushagras, you give it. So all these different persons, they gave gifts according to their ability and according to their station and according to what was needed and everybody knew what was needed it's just like most ladies you know most ladies or most Indian ladies they know what you need in a wedding you know I've done many many weddings and who's the expert at weddings is the Gujarati ladies they say oh you'll need one of these and a stick that goes in and a, and a piece of thread and red things and things that dangle and leaves and pots and coconuts and they know the whole shopping list isn't it? Isn't it, ladies? You know everything. Okay? So, immediately, you see a wedding, and you don't see these items there, the ladies will go, you know, this, 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 that. See? So you'll notice it's naked. It's naked. It's, it's so obvious. Okay? It's so obvious. So, um, in this way, uh, the different personalities, they gave what they could. Now, um, I just want to tell you a little bit here. Why did he get a staff? I thought only sannyasis got dundas. Oh no. The brahmacharis also have dundas. Ah, pretty cool, eh? Looking at the brahmacharis here, it's pretty cool. Get a dunda. And, uh, why? Because the stick is always important if you're going out. You know, it keeps wild animals. Because brahmacharis would be in the forest, they would not be, you know, outside uh, HMV collecting pennies they would be uh, in the forest collecting wood why? because the guru needed an unending supply of wood because he had fire yagyas to do every day every morning the guru is doing fire yagyas 
That's what they did back in the days. So then brahmacharis had to go out and collect wood. That's why Krishna and Sudama were in the forest. And they got stuck in the forest. They were actually collecting wood for Sandipani Muni. There's a painting upstairs in Prabhupada's room, probably painted in Firenze, probably painted at the academy, of Sandipani Muni. Yeah, Sandipani Muni and uh, Krishna and Balaram and uh, one small hut from which is curling a little bit of smoke and it's surrounded by green grass and trees. Um, unfortunately, Sandipani Muni was known as a uh, Kulapati and he had seven, 74,000 students. You see? So that's not in the painting. So this idyll, idyllic uh, conception we sometimes have is uh, there was a lot more people. Vedic culture, there's a lot more people, but we try to show Satvaguna. And we, when we think of Satvaguna, we think of countryside. So you put an artist down to paint a picture of Krishna and Balaram at school in Sandipani Muni's ashram, and they think, oh, yeah, Sandipani Muni's ashram, forest, trees, <laughs> 74,000 students. They all have to stay somewhere. And that means that there's a lot of wood. You need a lot of wood. So therefore, uh, the brahmacharya's first duty is samitpani, samitpani, to bring wood, put wood in the hand. Always go with wood to the guru. So, um, uh, the, uh, the initiation ceremony, uh, the day before initiation, there's, uh, the boy drinks milk and no other food. And then he sits on the right hand side of the guru and the guru says, raise your, raise your right hand. He raises his right hand and of course he gets, he loops the Brahmin thread over him, recites the Gayatri. And then he offers, he, the Guru recites the Gayatri himself, offers the Brahmin thread to the sun, because the Brahmin, tree, uh, the Brahmin thread is consecrated by the sun god. And then he gives him his deer skin, or he puts, he puts the Brahmin thread on, gives him his deer skin, and gives him his danda. So if he's a Brahmachari, a Brahmin, the danda goes to the top of his head. And if he's a... Uh, He's, if he's a Kshatriya, it goes to his forehead. And if he's a Vaisha boy, the Danda goes to the tip of his nose. And so you soon, as soon as you see someone in Vedic culture, you'll know who they are. And the remnants are, of course, that today we, we put on Tilak of the Sampradaya. It's not just to remind you of Vishnu. It's to show everybody else who you are. Immediately you can see someone. And I was walking... I was walking along uh, the, the ridgeway chanting Japa and I have a white bead bag. I don't mean anything by having a white bead bag. But then some uh, Narayan Maharaj person came along and he said, Aha, it's gone. White bead bag. Huh? Very good. <laughs> I've always had a white bead bag. <laughs> right? But they follow the, you know, the sannyasis have a white bead bag and everybody's got a white bead bag and this is a, a message to the world if you have a white bead bag. So now it is that in Iskon, in some places, if you, if you wear a white bead bag, oh, you've been listening to Narayan Maharaj, oh, I see. Okay. But other organizations are like that too. We went to this, uh, 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 when, when I was in Brooklyn, in New York, 
<laughs> we went to this headquarters of this uh, Lubavitch Jewish organization, and there they can tell down to the seams on the side of the coat and how they wear the hat and all the difference of which part of Russia your guru's 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 guru was from. So you can always tell an Eskon person because an Eskon person shaves. Why? Because Prabhupada shaved. And it's likely that that will pass on, pass on, pass on. That those who are the grand, 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 great grand disciples of Swami Prabhupada will also shave the chin. There are, there are certain things that, that are telltale signs the way we do certain things, you see. Anyway, I'm just saying. So that we, we, you can wear the teachings of your guru in the way you dress. So all these different things are an indication that he has received second initiation and by, uh, actually first initiation. Let me just tell you why we call it second initiation. The reason we call it second initiation is because after some time, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was complaining that, uh, you see, it's all, the reason why we call, the real reason why we call it second initiation is because of Sharia law. Sharia law, which is an Islamic conception that states that if you're a Brahmin, you have to pay, if you're a guru, if you have disciples, you have to pay money to the Nawab. You have to pay money. Under Sharia law, you can practice your Hinduism, but you have to give us money in the form of a tax. And you're officially known as a dhimi. So this is, uh, uh, this was exercised on the people of Bengal, which was the first state in India to be conquered, and the Brahmins had to pay a tax. How are you going to pay tax if you're a Brahmin? Brahmin is the poorest occupation that you can have. It's, you're much better off selling bananas than you are being a Brahmin. Traditional Brahmin, he gets up at half past two in the morning. He doesn't even eat till half past two in the afternoon. He has 12 hours of study and teaching and fayagis and samskars to do. You see? And unless you, you want your wife to be busy all the time, ironing and washing, okay, then you don't eat because you don't want to, once you've eaten, and because you're not all too clean, as we say. So therefore, you don't eat until you've done all the rituals for the day. And the only way you're going to be eating tomorrow is if you get some dakshina from doing a ritual today. Because you don't get, unlike Iskon, you don't get guru dakshina um, as a sort of annual tithe or after you've initiated someone. You get guru dakshina, the traditional understanding of guru dakshina is something when you have completed your education after 10 years or 12 years as a brahmachari learning the Vedas, then you give your guru guru dakshina. So for the first 12 years, of being a Brahmin guru, you're pretty poor. That's why most of our stories start, once upon a time, there was a poor Brahmin. Okay? Once upon a time, there was a poor Brahmin. We would never have had the story of Sudama if Sudama was rich. He went to see Krishna because he was poor. So there's always a poor Brahmin. So um, the Brahmins had to pay a tax, and that was difficult for them. So they made more disciples and asked them to give something. So eventually it became so bad that people would make disciples just for money. And that is why one day 
a man came outside our Mayapur temple ringing a bell, saying, Diksha, Diksha, Diksha. And he was giving initiation right outside the gate. He had a bicycle, he had a, one of those bicycles with tricycles with a little container on the back. And inside was a leaflet saying that you have now been initiated. And he was giving initiation for the price of two rupees. Diksha do rupya, diksha do rupya. Okay, and everyone was paying their two rupees and now I'm initiated. Now, being initiated is not so cheap with us. You have to do a heck of a lot in order to be initiated. And those of you who are initiated, you know how much you had to struggle, how much you had to prove yourself in order to be initiated. But back in Bhaktivinoda Thakur's day, it was something that he was complaining about. He said, he said, actually, he said, all they're doing is just, uh, he said, they're not training them in anything, not training them in anything. And therefore, he said, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, he said, these gurus, he said, they're just whispering, they're just blowing wind into their disciples' ear. He said, they're blowing wind. He said, and that is it. They're not giving them any training at all. So the training and the education is what comes after initiation. Okay? If I say to you, uh, you know, you take your car for an MOT, you know, MOT certificate, and I give you an MOT certificate, but the engineer keeps the car, that doesn't make any sense at all. The whole point of initiation, the whole point of getting an MOT for your car so, so that you can drive the car. That's the initiation of you being able to drive the car. So initiation means initiated into the study of the Vedas. So a guru that initiates but then doesn't teach, this is a, what, what's happening? This is not a very helpful system at all. Well, I got initiated, but my guru's not teaching me anything. But it still goes on. So it's something that has to be guarded against. And it still goes on in the, um, you know, the Madhva Sampradaya, the Ramanuja Sampradaya. Even in ISKCON, we have that phenomenon. I got initiated, but the last time I saw my guru was two years ago. What has he taught you? Well, nothing really. I have the classes over the internet, but so does everybody else. The guru's meant to teach. That's the whole point. Initiated means being initiated into a course of study. So, uh, where were we? So then we have, um, um, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati saying, well, enough of this. And he said that, um, he said that if people have been initiated by one of these bogus gurus, then we will reinitiate them. Now, technically speaking, you know, there was this big argument in ISKCON whether reinitiation was bona fide. Do you remember that? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're all too young. Huh? You remember that? Can a person get initiated if the first guru disappoints them? And I was reading last night that reinitiation is actually mentioned by uh, someone called Shatatapa. Shatatapa is a great Vedic sage. And he says, if a Brahmin eats onions and garlic, he must go through the whole initiation ceremony again. How about that? If he, if he drinks milk from a camel, from a she-camel, he must go through the whole Brahman initiation again. Interesting, isn't it? So anyway, what happened was that they said, let us chant the Hare Krishna mantra, and we will give Brahman initiation to those persons who become qualified to accept it, 
So, Hare Krishna Mantra, first initiation, Brahman initiation, second initiation. Now, even Prabhupada, it seems, was second initiated twice. Once he was initiated by his, uh, his father arranged for Mahendranath Das Goswami to initiate him. And Prabhupada talks about this. But he was also, he also received the Gayatri Mantra from, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. So Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati also reinitiated, uh, Bhakti Rakshak, uh, Sridhar Maharaj. So it seems that it was quite a, quite a common thing to break the connection with the, uh, uh, the, f- the family Brahmin, the caste Brahmin. And therefore, what has happened in our ISKCON movement is that we, uh, we really don't, um, we don't hold the Brahmin or second initiation sometimes as highly as we hold the Mahamantra initiation. And we have different theologies that prop that up. But in Vedic culture, it was the first and absolute requirement of a Brahmachari. So I was reading a lot about this. And um, when my son was 13, I suddenly noticed that, you know, my son had a naked chest. So um, we had a Upanayanam conducted for him. In, uh, while we were in India, we went on a big tour of India. And I just wanted to show you some items because I've kept them, being a sentimental father. Firstly, is Mali, my son Mali. Uh, firstly, the Chudakaranam. Uh, Chudakaranam. This is Mali's hair. <laughs> Who would keep the hair of their 12-year-old son in a plastic bag? A sentimental and rather attached father. All right, but here is the uh, kusha, kusha belt. This was the belt to bind him. This was the uh, well. These, these are the remnants of the uh, people, uh, people uh, danda. It's given a people, people danda. So it was like like that. I couldn't bring it back on the plane or or something. It had a it had a leaf on the end of it as well. And uh, this was from the first kusha that he was given, kusha straw that he was given. No, this isn't kusha. What's it? I, don't know. I have to. I have to read. It's on my list. This was the the very first, very first um, Brahmin thread that was given to him during the during the. And then I think we have a piece of uh, deer skin. He was also presented with uh, deer skin. That's the Gayatri Mantra. Oh, by the way, on Facebook yesterday, somebody posted me the Gayatri Mantra. You know, because it's doing the rounds. I just want you to know that the Gayatri Mantra is not for public distribution. Ever. It's something that started in India about 200 years ago, where people thought that they would, uh, you know, that the, the, the public chanting of the names of the Lord was the strategy for Kali Yuga. So they started giving, firstly chanting the Gayatri Mantra loudly in Kirtan form, and then distributing it to everybody. Please don't do that. 
in Iskon we preserve two things we preserve the three things actually preserve the culture of the Vedic Gayatri the Savitur Gayatri the Brahma Gayatri which is given in secret between guru and disciple we preserve the Pancharatric uh, uh, Parampara which is from the Pancharatra Agama which is the other Gayatri mantras that we chant and we also preserve the Harinam uh, Parampara and the Harinam and the Harinam only is meant for wide distribution also another thing you should understand is that Gayatri has hard and fast rules and the Maha Mantra has no hard and fast rules that's why we always tell people that the Hare Krishna Mantra has no hard and fast rules you can chant it with a dirty mouth Gayatri you can't chant with a dirty mouth Maha Mantra you can chant having a bath or no bath Brahma Gayatri you have to have a bath Hare Krishna Maha Mantra you can chant facing any direction Brahma Gayatri you have to chant facing east in the morning east at midday and west at night Hare Krishna Mantra you can chant any time of day any time of day at all Brahma Gayatri you have to chant just before sunrise just after sunset and at noon these are the hard and fast rules. It doesn't change. So if ISKCON is to do its job in being a preserver of the Vedic Parampara, which we are hearing about right here, back at the beginning of creation with Vamanadev, then we also have to preserve uh, these things. Um, can't find it at the moment, but I will. Um, so therefore, ladies and gentlemen, I will commend to you, those who don't have second initiation, I will commend it to you as being something instantly as quickly as possible please get second initiation don't dawdle your chest is naked huh? cover it up with a Brahmin thread huh? then let me just tell you actually something about Kashyapamuni because Kashyapamuni was obviously the very proud father here and I just want to say that um, Kashapamuni married also Vinata and from his wife Vinata came two children Garuda and Aruna and then from Kashapa also came in a long family tree I'm finishing now don't worry we have uh, Vivishwan you've heard that name before haven't you Vivishwan from Vivishwan came Manu and from from Manu came Ikshraku from, and Ikshvaku was the first king of Ayodhya. Now we'll go on to some other names in the family tree. Uh, Asmanja, then King Amshuman, heard of Amshuman, whose son was Dilip, whose son was Bagirat. And what did Bagirat do? He brought the Ganga. Uh, whose son was Kakutsta, whose son was very famous, look at the altar, on the right hand side of the altar, his son was Ragu. Yeah. So this was this is the beginning of the Ragu Vamsa. That's why we say Lord Ram is Ragunandan, uh Ragunath. Another name? Hmm? Raghav Raghav Ragupati. Yeah, so all from Ragu. So from Raghu, you follow the family lion down. Remember, it's all coming from Kashapamuni. Uh, just in case you thought Kashapamuni was a sage, just sort of 
relatively minor sage over here. You know, he's the great, 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 too many greats for this class, grandfather. So we follow him down. We have another famous person, Sudarshan Chakra, Durvasamuni, Ambarish. From him came Nahusha. From him came Nabhag. From him came Adja. From him came Dasarath. And from him came Ram, Sridam. So do you think Lord Ram knew the story of Maharaj Ambarish? So the reason why all these stories, you will find them in the Bhagavatam, is because pretty much these are the essential stories. Prabhupada said, the story of Ramanadeva is fit for retelling at any family gathering and ceremony. You see? Such as a wedding. So in many weddings I've told the story of Vamanadev, how a little boy appeared who was a dwarf. It's a, it's a funny story, actually. I mean, just think, he was a boy, but he was also a dwarf. Okay? Not, he wasn't just Vishnu, you know, with a sleek athletic build and, you know, youthful musculature. You know, we're talking about a dwarf. And then the king looks at him, and Vamanadev looks at the king, and the king smiles, and he says, well, you know, three of your steps, <laughs> what's that going to do? What's that going to do? Uh, what, what, what harm can that do me? <laughs> and he was, so it, it, the Lord has a sense of humor. He has a sense of humor. Otherwise, why appear as a dwarf? Uh, why appear as a dwarf? So then that's wrong. And... Uh, uh, Kashapa was, uh, oh, this is an interesting one. Kashapa was going to do another fire yagya. Okay. And, uh, Indra was helping him. This time Indra was picking up the wood for the fire yagya. Indra himself. So this is Kashapa Muni's status. So as he was going out of the forest, Indra saw a puddle. And in the puddle was, uh, 60,000 sages dwarf they were that size and these were known as the valakilias and they were struggling with some blades of grass for the fire yagya and indra he, he just laughed he said what are you guys what are you guys thinking you know this is going to be a big fire yagya here we go indra <laughs> he didn't realize that to be a great sage you don't have to be six foot tall or seven foot tall you can be that tall so the Valakilias, they cursed him. And they cursed him. And that was Indra's undoing. And eventually, uh, a son was born uh, uh, to um, uh, Kashyap from Vinata. And his name was, uh, from, because his mother was Vinata, his name was Vainateya. Uh, Vainateya, whose most common name is Garuda. And he was then able to snatch the uh, uh, ambrosia, the nectar from the gods, and even Indra couldn't control him. So they were all defeated. But he didn't take it for himself, he brought it to the Lord, and uh, the Lord said, he said, I'm very impressed at, at your selfless behavior, and now I would like to uh, give you a boon. And uh, the boon that Garuda asked for, he says, oh, I'd like to always fly above you. And uh, then he said, well, because you've given me a boon, I'd like to give you a boon. So then Vishnu said, I'd always like to uh, uh, be carried everywhere uh, on your back. So this is why we always see 
the Lord and uh, Garuda, inseparable companions. And therefore it's said that when Garuda flaps his wings, it's not the sound of an ordinary bird wing flapping. It's the sound, you hear the sound of the Samaveda. So if you want to know what the Samaveda sounds like, you have to listen to the beating of Garuda's wings. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki. Lord Vamanadev Ki.